We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Yo, you know what? I don't think we take enough time to, to kind of bask in this in this uh, introduction, man. The introduction is nice. So, super producer, shout out to you for putting that together, man. That thing is, it seems like it's timeless, right? Because you know some podcasts, they'll redo their, their, their stuff over and over again. But I was just seeing like it's timeless because he put so much work on the front end. So I want to shout out super producer. Fellas, checking in. How we doing? Charles, start with you, sir. Man, uh, I'm. I got folks in town from 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 home uh, since the Niners played the since the Niners played the Bears and the Bears just were terrible. But whatever, it's fine. There, uh, my homie Jeff is happy. Um, just man, it's. Uh, I I I didn't peep that we gotten through October already. It just. I don't know. I'm not. I know what the the calendar date the day that the calendar says it is. It does not feel like that. But. Um, but it's all good, man. It's a lot going on. Um, but I'm I'm here, bro. I'm ready to pod with you brothers, and we can break some stuff down later. That's what's up. Breezy, what's happening? I think Charles got the same thing that happened, and I do. So the bell might ring upstairs. Y'all might hear it. People coming to the door. Uh, I haven't been handing out the, the candy. One of my middle children is handing out the candy. But what is so interesting is watching people come to the door, those kids, with that look on their face that I have forgotten because I'm too old. But getting candy is everything in the world to them. And, and that door opening and you being with a big bowl of candy there right now is everything. And we can't forget this type of thing in the crappy type of experiences we're having in the world right now. That still it is so simple with kids wearing that that costume, knocking on the door, opening their bag and you dropping the, the candy in there. Bruh. Like, I wish I could have the joy they're having right now. They are like, <laughs> they are simple individuals uh, in this one way. They know where their joy is at and they're making it happen. So I was reminded of that tonight. Yeah, you're going to be reminded of that tomorrow when somebody sue your ass from getting COVID from your block, too. Ah, see, you always got to do it, bro. You just always got to do it with your out of focus ass. You just got to keep doing that sort of thing. This is why God won't give you focus, bro. <laughs> am, I not, am I really not in focus? I'm, I'm, I, I'm good, man. I think you're good now. When you lean forward, you're in focus. When you lean back, it's it's like a mugshot, bro. Yeah, let me get closer to this thing, man, so I can yeah, stay. There you go. You look good. It's going crazy. So if you're going to be in that environment, you're going to have to, like, figure out your... Where you gonna be at? Cause yeah, but you, but you good. You I'm, good. I'm, right I'm, you I appreciate good, your feedback. I appreciate y'all's feedback. I, I had a question for you before you. I want you to check in. So I yeah. know you used to be downstairs, and we used to kind of get the. I like that little. Are you gonna just? I know you went upstairs for the storm, and then you never came down. You like the opposite of Judy Winslow, like when she went upstairs at one time, and we never seen it again. <laughs> like, are you? I like. I, I like this. Are you gonna stay here, or are you gonna go back to going downstairs? Just a. People like when we banter like this, but I'm curious. What are we talking about, Chris? No, no, I'm asking you. No, no, you went oh, upstairs to the storm. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You used to be, we used to be in the living room. Are, are we staying in this room for moving forward? That's why I was yeah, asking. Yeah, man, you're standing. This is the this is the room that's now dedicated for uh for did this. Did you choose thing. this or did you get banished to your room? 
I, got I was about to say, this got, room looks like it's dedicated for a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> this room so looks like it's, it's dedicated for everything. <laughs> it's my exercise room. It's for, yo, you know what this room is? I'm going to tell you what this room is. This room is the... So I, I'm a, I was a... I was an EOP kid, uh, equal opportunity um, uh, kid in college. And so what that means is I had a partial basketball scholarship, but then I also had a partial financial needs scholarship, right? Mm -hmm. And so like when you go to college or whatever, like uh, for those people that are like well-to-do that get gift baskets and like get Mm -hmm. all those things and whatnot, right? Like I never got any of that stuff. And so it was pretty much just like my grind, my hustle uh, that kind of got me through college. And so in speaking to the powers that be, I was like, you know what? I want to create a dorm room that I want to create a dorm room that would be like the dorm room that I would have if I had money. Right. And so this is what this room is. So this room is like my studio, my dorm room, if I would have had money and like all those other things. So it's my all purpose room. I like it. I was just being nosy. I appreciate it. You know what? I'm going to say this. Oh, that's that's a blessing though. That's dope. Without Sharif. The three of us have to have a whole show on that. <laughs> a whole show on the stuff that we have now that is a result yeah. of us oh. when we were younger saying, if I ever get a dollar, I'm going to do X. All the things we should talk about all the things in a show once about what happens when you grow up to have a decent income and job and you remember those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you told me that about your room. Cause I really was wondering about your exercise ball. I never dreamed of having one of those, but I can imagine how you could. <laughs> hey, we get it in. We get it in, man. We eating right. I just bought a walk, right? I just bought a walk. So I'm cooking my vegetables and whatnot, man. Hey, hey, we out here, man. We trying to live forever. Um, but so speaking of, speaking of reef, right? Uh, this guy. So everybody on the show, except me, has a personal assistant. We don't say names or nothing like that, but everybody has a personal assistant. <laughs> and everybody's personal assistant, right, Come knows on, that. Jobs. Not because of the, oh, the show. Just right, 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 right. Through, through the jobs, right. Yeah. But everybody that has a personal assistant knows that at 9 p.m. on Sunday, which I hate, by the way, right, but at 9 p.m. on Sunday, don't plan nothing, right? Reef didn't get that memo. <laughs> and so he's gonna be a little late tonight but he will be here but uh he just landed like 15 minutes ago so once he gets situated he'll come and take over the show but tonight's guest we got um dr patricia uh damn i forgot give it a Lissane. try the same Lassane, Dr. Lassane. Dr. Patricia Lassane. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's an educational design leader. She specializes in developing and leading the implementation of education leaders in instructional coaching, curriculum, programming, and pedagogy uh, that employs an African-American education for liberation. Oh, Chris is going to have fun. Approach to empire, uh, uh, inspire uh, Black learners. Her work leverages the transformative elements of the Black teaching tradition, BTT, a teacher development framework for uh, black pedagogical genius uh, she developed. Wow. This is, this is, yes. Um, she's a founder of Sisters in Education Circle and uh, Lazine uh, Learning LLC. Prior to founding um, SIEC, uh, she had 15 years of experience of teaching at di- and district level leadership in various uh, predominantly Black and Latinx school districts along the East Coast. So, welcome our guest, Dr. Patricia. 
Hey, y'all. Can you hear Welcome. me? Welcome. We thank can hear you. you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank well, you for the grace on the name, Dr. Lesane. We appreciate it. We absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so doc yes talk we're gonna we're gonna make this a uh, we're gonna make this a conversation we don't okay. want this to be a panel so okay. we're gonna just we're gonna just chop it up right, right. and right. so btt talk to us about your framework um where where does what, what was the thought process behind it um uh, and just just talk to us what, what, what's what's btt yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll start this. I'll start by saying that I started my career as a teacher, high school social studies teacher. And um, even though I, you know, I had thir- I just counted the other day, I had 38 black teachers between kindergarten. I mean, sorry, I had 38 teachers between kindergarten and 12th grade. Only three of them were black. And um, and then I I went into teaching and realized how few um, relatively few black teachers there were. And so the BTT really, um, really began in in the oral histories um, and the stories that were shared in, in my home. So even though I had very few black teachers and even though when I went into the field, there are very, very few black teachers, I went into the field um with those stories in mind that that circulated around my community, right, around these these generations of black teachers who really they spoke to them like they were heroes. So it was not it's not uncommon uh, for for me to remember, you know, Mrs. Jackson or Mr. Jordan or whomever that an elder would speak about. And so somehow that just kind of seeped into my understanding um, of black educational history, that there there is a smaller number today, but that there there were this body of black teachers who were who people look to as superheroes because of what I call their pedagogical genius, their love, their community, their love of blackness, their correct, their um, centeredness around liberation, Um, you know, and so it kind of came to me in pieces because then when I became a teacher, I had certain impulses, I would say, certain kind of intuitions, impulses that I would just kind of go on. And until I did this research and really put the picture together, I didn't realize that it was coming from this legacy, right? Coming out almost out of my DNA uh, because this legacy is embedded in 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 black education and black culture. Uh, but what I, I also noticed though, that people outside of the black community, some people within the black community, but people outside of the black community um, really had an, had, had the opposite narrative, right? That, that black schools were horrible, that black teachers are subpar and, and not intellectual. And so um much like Vanessa Siddle Walker did with her her work, um, you know, her her scholarly and historical work where she said, no, 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 no. I have to put this other narrative out here because somehow, well, we know how white supremacy. Right. But somehow this this other narrative has t- has t- took hold that there was not excellent black education, that black teachers were not pedagogical geniuses, which is my claim that black teachers are pedagogical geniuses. So um, I went into teaching um, and in that time. When I was thinking about it, it was like in the in the 90s. And so that's when amazing works like uh, Dr. Lisa Delpit's work, Other People's Children came out, Dream Keepers, Gloria Ladson Billings, uh, Jacqueline Jordan Irvine was writing about the role, mo- role models. And so while I was beginning my teaching career and beginning my interest in teaching, I also had these works that accompanied me um, that, um, that, that really affirmed, even though I wasn't seeing it, um, in 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 the 
field, it really affirmed like there's this intuition that you have, there's this legacy. So fast forward to my dissertation and part of my dissertation, I did a lit review because there's, there's about 60, about 60 years of research on, on this, this, this um, tradition of black teaching excellence. And so I did a lit review and I did a lit review because I, I have an EDD. So I went in as a practitioner. I'm a practitioner. I'm a teacher first, would have stayed in the classroom forever if I, if I could have financially and politically and otherwise. Um, but I so did a lit review from the standpoint of a teacher. Right. And I said, well, what are the pedagogical elements as I'm reading all this, this rich body of literature? What are the pedagogical elements? Like, what does it look like in the classroom? And so from that lit review, I discerned nine pedagogical elements and I termed it the black teaching tradition. And um, that's that's how we how we started. And that's where we are. Well, that is super dope. Thank you for sharing with us that uh, that information. And so I'm gonna come right to Charles because even though there is uh, black excellence in teaching, uh, Charles has experienced some uh, the antithesis of uh, black excellence in teaching. Yeah. And so I want him to get that viewpoint out there as well, so we are clear. Yeah. That, uh, that uh, just because you black, that don't mean you could teach. Charles, right. jump in. <laughs> I feel like you did it. I like that. Thank you. Uh, so. Double click on that. No, I, I mean, but I do uh, appreciate and understand, like, uh, I, I think that we need more black teachers as well. And and my students are the ones that remind me of this because there are kids that I work with. Well, the full school is black and they still not getting the things that they need or whatnot, that mm -hmm. just being black alone doesn't make that, you know, right. being black alone ain't gonna make you a dope teacher. And you could be a dope educator with black folks, even if you're not black. However, you know, saying, can you so can you just say a little bit about that? Right. Because I think I think folks know that, but I think that uh, in a lot of these campaigns, um, that's been one of the things that I've seen people push back on and why they haven't fully, and I'm talking about black youth that have had nothing but black educators that are kind of yeah. like, I don't know if I want to support that per se, because I, this is all that I've had. So when you right. talk about the black teaching tradi uh, tradition, uh, does it take that into account and, and, and how should we be talking to our young people about how important these type of spaces are? Absolutely. So I am by no means saying that all black teachers embody this tradition. Right. And so just like any other tradition and any other legacy, you have people who are aligned to it. You have people who are somewhat aligned people to it. You have people who know nothing about it. Right. And I just I just thought it was important to capture that legacy before we lose it. So I'm not putting it forth as this is what's happening. But to your point with youth, let's capture it so that when we do bring in new generations of black teachers, they have, as I see uh, Dr. Celia Ruiz in the comments say, like they have that black consciousness, right? So when we get into the elements of the black teaching tradition, you'll see um, that it's a particular way that people relate to black children. And we know that like all our skin folks ain't kin folk, right? And everybody our color ain't our kind. And so, and that was certainly the case, you know, back in the day. So I'm not at all romanticizing and saying that there was this, because I think we say, well, there was this one time when we were all together. Like, that's not true, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's not completely true. Um, you know, we have entire institutions built on the, the brown paper bag test, right? We have black churches that mm -hmm. have um, alienated, you know, queer folks, right? And so within the black community, we definitely have done violence to each other where there are black folks that we would say, yeah, we can't put them in charge of all black people. Um, I do think the difference is that we lived together at one point and we were in community with each other. And that wasn't just about proximity. That was about what it what it 
what it meant to be your neighbor, to be your sister, to be your brother. And I think dispersing that community, um, you know, has deepened anti-Blackness among us, right? Mm. Like, we could, and we could go down the road, right? You know, there's classism, right? There's elitism. I mean, there are all different ways in which we not only divide ourselves, but if if in that division, um, you know, like there are certain Black teachers, as, as one teacher <laughs> educator said, I wouldn't leave my pocketbook in the class with them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't leave my Black wallet in the class with them. That's what oh, wow. <laughs> Damn. Hey, so, so real quick, Chris, before we get to you, I just want to remind y'all that at the Greater Starlight Baptist Church, 528 West 28th Street in Covington, Louisiana, we accept everybody. We accept all kinds. Don't matter what your skin color is. Does not matter what your sexual orientation is. You are welcome to come and worship at the Greatest Starlight Baptist Church. Now, uh, Chris, <laughs> uh, pre Brown, right? There was some black excellence happen happening, and I know that you guys talk about this a lot on Freedom Friday. So, talk about the black excellence pre Brown. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think Dr. Lassane is the one to talk about it uh, um, because it's what she's about. But I will say this much. This is what this is why I'm excited uh, about talking to you uh, and about what you have to say tonight. And even looking at the work that you did when you just said that lit review that you did and you mentioned Vanessa Siddle Walker, too. I always talk about black educational capital being the thing that we lost Mm -hmm. in Brown. So Mm -hmm. now our mission has to be to recover it dust it off, Mm -hmm. uh, add to it, modernize it, and then give it to our children again, because it's the medicine that's missing in education. We can have a lot of prescriptions for what's going wrong in education, but all of them go back to prior to Brown, the average black child was in the care of a veteran black educator every day who saw her role very differently than how educators see their role today. That role back then was a pedagogue, Mm -hmm. a community member, a school mother or school parent to the child, a democracy builder, uh, someone who was building towards democracy and a race person, somebody who understood that uh, that race was a, a, uh, a line that we had to teach our children to be able to transgress. So think about all those things I just said that does not exist in teacher prep programs today. So even if you have people who look like us going through teacher prep programs today, they're getting a very bleached version of what it means to be an educator because those systems that created the problem don't know any better. They don't even have to be bad people. They just have to be ignorant, which they are. Mm -hmm. So if we are putting our kids into the hands of culturally ignorant people, bad pedagogues in many ways, and people who think that our kids are the problem, as if we have a hardware problem instead of a software problem, Mm -hmm. right? We're putting our kids in the wrong operating system. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. God made them whole. God made our kids whole. Our kids come out whole. We got to stop talking about our children like they're the ones that are broken when we put them into an operating system that has all kinds of viruses, shuts down at wrong times and boots back up at other times and have half-assed programs in it from 10, 15, 20 years ago that were were never good. But Mm -hmm. and they're only still half being done now today, whatnot. So what's the prescription? You got the prescription. Hold up. Hold up. Wait, 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 wait. Like, I'm gonna give you some. Fe- I want to give you some feedback, sir. Give me some right? feedback. I want to give some feedback. I want to give you some feedback real quick. Do this. Do this. So here's here's what here's what you do, right? And here's what here's we what do. What you do? Yeah, this is what we do. This okay, what I do. Do it. So bro. when when somebody defends a dissertation, that means that they are a specialist in that one particular area, right? They're not like specialists writ large. They don't know everything. They just know their area, 
right? So like when I come to you for your genius, it's because I know that you are well-read. I know that you can answer probably better than a lot of people that focus their areas of their dissertation on this kind of stuff. So when I come to you, sir, <laughs> don't dumb yourself down like you are not able to present oh, the materials in the way in which you do because you're a genius, bro. And that I is my feedback that. for you. That is I my appreciate you. you. I appreciate yeah. you and I appreciate that. Uh, and I am living in my beigeness and I appreciate it all, brother. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> let me tell you right now. I don't want to pretend to know because I study people who know. That's what I do. And you know this. Uh, both you and Charles know this. I read people's dissertations as a hobby, black people's dissertations as a hobby, because that is like community derived scholarship that sits on a goddamn shelf after they pay all that money to do it. And most of the times they're studying us to get their dissertations. My dream would have to be a library of all our black PhDs dissertations in one library. And I would go and sit in that damn library and read it. Not that I know, but I study people who know because they did the studies for me. So our guest tonight actually hit all my triggers because I care about educational black capital. And I think you know how to get us there. I think you have built like like BTT, uh, uh, um, black teaching tradition as a framework for understanding this stuff. Your lit review. I put so much stock in that being the way we should go. Like the thing that could literally, we are di dipping our kids like tea bags into white supremacy every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to put them in a different cup. I'm trying yeah. to put them in a BTT cup. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make this happen. Let's go. So really quick, right? Yeah. Cause you know, I, my, my gorgeousness is here now. I'm in focus. I'm here. <laughs> Raymond is here. Right. Um, so, so talk to us about about BTT, the the the, the components of it. Somebody had asked earlier in the comments, like, what does it entail, yep. and uh, and and how, how can we make uh, black teaching great again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I and if I can just pick up on a couple of things that that gal trigger yep. in, in the exchange is that you know I you know I don't know that there's clearly some dynamics going on here that I'm not going to step into, but <laughs> I, I'm trying not to step into. But I will say, Ray, that while Chris was talking, I was like. Did he read my? Did he write my dissertation? Like, like you know, I mean, the <laughs> exactly. Things he was saying, you know, um, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with with anything, you know, that that you said, um, and also when you speak about a library. So, you know, so I have two things going on. I have the, you know, Black Teaching Tradition, Lassane Learning, which is my consulting, but I also have Sisters in Education Circle, um, which we hopefully will be able to talk about uh, um, in, a, in a little bit. But the, and I just got a $300,000 grant for Sisters in Education. I have All been, right. yes, from the Hewlett Foundation. So what? I've been like putting my little coins in and, and you know, for the, since 2018, running it, you know, on, you know, my, my little dollars. And um, so I now have been able to hire myself um, to, to, to move to move the um, mission forward. And the mission includes um, the Sisters in Education Circle retreats, but also a interactive museum, a research library and a lab school all around this legacy of black black teaching excellence. And so, you know, you never know, Chris, you may get a room 
with your black folks, <laughs> with your black, and especially with especially with the hefty donation once we start the fundraising, right? So so you may just get your room. So anyway, um, but yeah, just just um, and thank you guys for the congratulations on the grant. Um, so yeah, you know, I you know I do I do hesitate to say that I you know, that I have the answer, <laughs> that I have the answer, uh, because I always say that the Black teaching tradition is a, co- it's a communal experience, just as you're describing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you talked about like the different roles and dispositions. So like the Black teaching tradition in of itself is broken down into, into three categories. So there are characteristics, right? And so these are like the salient kind of like values of teaching, right? So that I found. So the two characteristics were high expectations and professional expertise. But remember, as I'm sharing this, and I think you all have a copy, so feel free to read and ask specific questions. As I'm sharing, just know that we have, like you said, not only have our children been are dipped like tea bags into white supremacy, we're dipped into white supremacy, right? Mm. And so like we, you know, and all of me, all of us, right? Mm-hmm. And so like Audrey mm-hmm. Lord talks about. You know, that part of our struggle is divesting ourselves on a daily basis from from white supremacy. Mm. Uh, One of the books that I love... entitled Heavy, uh, an American memoir by K.S.A. Lehman, uh, where he talks about his childhood primarily. And there's one chapter in there called Black Abundance. Every educator has to read that book, but you have to read that chapter, Black Abundance, because it's all about him and his boys in middle school and how they flip languages, and how their teachers didn't understand them, how they came up with this term that like, no, but we're abundant. We're Black abundant. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so talking about, I always say that Black kids are, you know, are natural geniuses, right? And so I'm just saying that to to say that when I say these words, like you may have heard high expectations before, you may have heard professional expertise before, but it's really not, it's not the white supremacist language. So like we can, you know, we can get into a, a little bit more, but I just want to share the, the characteristics. So salient characteristics, professional expertise and high expectations, right? Um, and then I move into roles. So as Chris was saying, there's a particular way in which these teachers see themselves in relationship to the children and also to, to the community and to Blackness, right? So, um, so what are those roles that they play? They play the role of advocate. They play the role of bridge and they play the role of community member slash extended family. Right. Um, And then embodiments, meaning these are their actions, their daily actions. So what are those daily what are those things that inform and shape and influence the daily decisions that they make in instruction? Right. So the daily actions are answering, answering a higher call. Right. It could be to God. It could be to the divine. But it really is a higher call to the natural genius of black children and black people. Right. So I, and so so what I'm doing is beyond me. So I have a responsibility beyond the state, beyond my principal, beyond the superintendent. I have a responsibility to the future of black people. Um, again, to Chris's point, because I promise you, Chris, it feels like Chris wrote this uh, <laughs> after, after his introduction. Believing. Right. So, again, believing in the brilliance and genius and the value of black people (laughs) and black children Mm -hmm. caring. So that always comes up when you talk about women and teaching, right? The ethic of care, that love, that support, that humanity, that sanctuary that we bring. And then finally overcoming. So again, remember the embodiments are 
those those verbs, right? So what are the things that dig that 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 shape my actions and my decisions, my instructional decisions every day? And overcoming is, you know, having a deep and personal knowledge about what it is to be black in this country and embedding in my in my instructional strategies the ways to heal and overcome and acknowledge those things. And so um so that's that's in short, or maybe wasn't so short, the the framework for black teaching tradition, which I'm working with educators to uh, some of the best educators in the country to build out. Um, it's it's the training that I told most of my consulting is around the black teaching tradition and, and helping organizations um, to, to implement that and shape teachers. And so, you know, if I'm going to, so I'll play along with Chris and say, what's he like that I have the answer? I'll play, I'll play along. <laughs> so, so if I say I have the answer, then like you said, like teacher development programs, um, districts, parents have to be vocal about this is what I, this is what we want teachers to look like and be like and feel like in the classroom. Um, you know, but I but I am currently building out a full uh, teacher development program based on the on the black teaching tradition. And so and it will address um, a recruitment through a high school dual enrollment program, retention through in-service PD and advancement through mm. you know, um, how do we support black teachers on the pathway, those who were called to to be in the field long term. That work you said you? so much in there. It's just like, I just want to take that clip and play it every morning on the radio so people can hear it every morning on their way to work. Uh, Ray, can I ask a quick question? I just want to ask yeah. a question of our esteemed guest here. When you were doing the study behind all of this, what were the moments where you had ahas, where it even challenged you, mm-hmm. like as a, as a person learning about how the history worked? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Did you displace any of your own beliefs, any ahas that you had, any things that challenged you as a, a person who was pursuing this knowledge? Absolutely. So two things. One thing saddened me. And then one thing is a challenge that I that I continue to to live to live through. The one thing that saddened me is that um, this characteristic of professional expertise. So, again, we're not we're not talking about, you know, white supremacist, capitalistic expertise, right? right? We're talking about, Mm -hmm. I am so dedicated to this calling that I not only prepare myself as well as I can be prepared because those teachers you talked about, Chris, like we're talking about, we're talking about teachers who had doctorates in music coming back to teach high school musical, (laughs) high school music, right? We're talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, from one of my current favorite books, uh, Fugitive Pedagogy, Dr. Carter G. Woodson, right? Studying for his PhD while he's monitoring a high school classroom. Are you, are you, are you, is this what we're doing? Okay. Okay. You you already know what it is. You know, and so it was that. So so the part that saddened me is the professional expertise. So, again, white centeredness may have people interpreting professional expertise as like I'm buttoned up and I, you know, I have my hair cut. No, this was this was I'm going to get the best preparation possible. Right. So you talked about um, Vanessa Siddle Walker's The Lost Education of Horace. Right. Where you had 
teachers crossing state lines in the middle of the night, switching cars so that they could be in the in with each other, getting this deep knowledge to 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 help teachers. Right. So that was professional expertise. The thing that saddened me about that is that I saw that characteristic heavy in the early research. And e- and also remember, like I came into the field, like so having gotten an EDD, it's more practice based. Right. So I came into the field also having observed what I observed Um I'm sorry, I came into my study also having observed what I observed in the field. And so not only did that value peter out at some point in the research, it has petered out in generation to generation to generation, right? And I've watched you all enough to know that I'm not going to get into the debate about, you know, TFA and charter schools and all this other stuff. I'm just... <laughs> Ooh, uh-oh. It sounds interesting. All right. I'm just going to actually because my dissertation, actually, this was a part of my dissertation. My dissertation was on black women who completed the TFA program. So that's another Mm -hmm. whole other Mm -hmm. thing. But Mm -hmm. But I wanted to know to what extent did their experiences in TFA since TFA serves so many black children, to what extent does it align or show any knowledge of the black teaching tradition? So that was that was my question. Um, but I'm just saying that to say. That we have, so it, it petered out of the literature towards the towards the later literature, but it's also petered out in us, right? Like we are okay being like, I can train for eight weeks and go teach black kids, right? That that wasn't a value of this class of teachers, right? It just wasn't. Like not only did they treat it like you know you have to train well, but you have to get continued knowledge and gain pride in becoming an expert. Right. in teaching black farm children how to read. Right. Gain pride in becoming an expert in, um, you know, taking migrant children and catching them up. Right. When 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 the crop is not was not not there. And so that was that sad me um, as far as challenging myself, high expectations, you know, because there was a time in my career, you know, I know this is going to be recorded. Don't hold it against me. Right? There was a time in my career where, you know, I was a little bit tougher on the tough love, right? Where it was like, well, I got my degree. You got yours to get. Yes, I have said that to, to a classroom full of black children, right? And so, but the more I read about this high expectations, it was that mama love high expectations, right? And I think that to your point, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us have internalized this notion that black children need toughness and they need to, you know, da, 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 da. and there is, you know, there is that toxic black way of like dressing down a student, right? And, and I'm not saying it's always wrong. It really is about the context and the relationship. But I think some of us have presumed that, that just, uh, just because we show up as an adult in a black child's life, we can come, you know, we can, we can do that. And it really is abusive, right? Right. It really is. Um, and so I had to look back on my career and think, mm-hmm. was, did, did I have enough love with the toughness all the time? Right. Because that's because without that, that's not genius. Right. The genius part is how do I get this kid who can't add today to do calculus? How do I insist to him that he is going to stay after school with me and do it and still feel loved and cared for and nurtured at the same time? Right. And I I didn't all I wasn't. I wasn't always there. I think I think we need to, like you said, we need to hold this up and examine it for ourselves. I think we need to look at that. The other piece is, again, we're not in community with each other anymore, right? Mm-hmm. You know, as closely. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know what traumas the child has experienced, right? So I could walk mm-hmm. in and be like, Chris, sit your, sit your behind down, 
right? Mm-hmm. And if you and I are close, but if that child is coming from an abusive background, if that child has PTSD, right? Like we don't know, so we can't we can't take those um, liberties, and we need to really examine: was it really tough love, or was you really abusing me? Right, right. You know, it's it's like those people who are like, "Well, I got beaten up, and I'm okay." Well, you not, you not, (laughs) you not okay. (laughs) You not okay. You not okay. (laughs) Listen, hey, listen. Spare the uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. For some people that are in the, for some people that for some people that are in the audience, not me, but some people that are in the audience. And so, hey, listen. I just want to make sure that you know we we covering everybody, and so. Uh, Chris, bringing you back in here, man. So, like, you know, we always say this, and we say this in a joking manner, but it's somewhat serious, right? Some of these kids are bad. (laughs) 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 Y'all don't want me to talk talk about it. Talk talk about it. Talk about it, man. Well, so this we can is see what how I we can adjust say. the bad kids. Yeah. This is what I will say, because I don't want to be at danger of doing the pound cake speech. I don't want to be at danger of getting associated and aligned with uh some of some of the get so, out crew so on, the, on yeah, on the black right. So I'm not I'm, I'm not about that <laughs> life right now. They 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 on my nerves. But I will say this. This is what I can say from a more scholarly scholarly perspective, is as I was looking through Vanessa Siddle's uh, work around the roles that people played, like the teachers played certain roles, parents and community members played certain roles. There were things that stuck out to me, like one in which the teachers would work with the parents to advocate for the things that they needed in the schools that they couldn't advocate for themselves. And the parents saw that as their part. Like, so the parents were very clear in the relationship, the stool, you know, community, parent, student, teacher, you know, whatever, that they knew that they had a role to play. The teacher knew they had a role to play. But the reason that the role was so clear was because the demands of uh, Jim Crow were so strong, right? Like the, the, the you could die for doing certain things. You could like, so everybody was in the same boat. So they knew this is life-saving work that we're doing together here. It was everybody's work. I don't think we have the same level of urgency about the relationship between, I think some educators think they have to educate the kids in spite of families and in spite of a parent on the other side, because they've imagined there to be some horribly uh, disinterested person on the other side or whatever, right? Not realizing that now we've been through a couple of generations of trauma or whatnot. And then I guess some, I just, you know, like, you, listen, I hear educators, we got to try harder. We got to do this. We got to do that. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, y'all not realistic. Cause I did, I did social services for years. Sometimes some of y'all need to do much better. Some of y'all need to quit. Some of you need to stop doing the work that you're doing or whatever. So let's be honest about that. But on the family side, we can have a whole other conversation about the children and about the parents and about their portion of the the contribution to their success, not 100% being there. Now, I'm not going to do it on this show because I'm not about to collect the heat and the damage that you were trying to get me to collect, Ray. You were trying to get me, you were trying to put me in trouble. You're trying to get me in trouble right now. I'm just, I'm I'm giving you airtime. So Charles, coming to you, we just did a show on regression, right? And so Mm -hmm. like, how do you feel like the show that we did on regression and just regression in education period kind of fits into this teacher narrative or this black teacher narrative? Oh man, I think it does in a lot of ways. And one, uh, Dr. Lassane, just I just hope you feel that love and welcoming from from this group of people. I hope you feel 
Like we've welcomed you in and we just kind of shooting it and talking. And because one of the things and one of the things I hate about having the doctorate, I hate this part, is that people listen differently and like not listening to, to be in community and learn with you, but to like see what you get wrong and don't offer and extend that grace. So I know that you go through that. And I just wanted you to feel safe in this space. And Ray, you will you you will go through this too. Uh, everything you've written or ever said. Um when we talk about regression, though, one of the things I was talking about in my book club with these brothers, man, and I love it. We reading, uh, we're reading Stokely Carmichael, Stokely Speaks, right? And he says that all this stuff is good. All this over into a like intelligent stuff is fine and everything. But if black people don't have these three things, it kind of don't matter in the language of power in this country. And I think that sometimes these things play out in education. And let me tell you what I mean. The three was money, the right contacts or education. And basically, he went on to just say, not that I'm, I just want to, I've been quiet because I've just really been wanting to soak in and listen, but you were making me think of what he was saying. And I think that you were doing a good job of empowering it. He said, um, he was basically talking about Fane Luham. He said, what does somebody see on television? Who gets, pro- what's the black people that get projected in politics? The Lindsay's and the Rockefellers and even the Martin Luther King's but not the Fannie Lou Hamers. That is why it's so important to project, to, to protect her. Sharecroppers identify with her. Uh, she opens up the hope that they can too be projected because she says all the things that they have been saying to themselves, but she has heard. Mrs. Hamer's significance is very different from Dr. King. One hears white people say of Dr. King, he is so intelligent, so articulate. Of Mrs. Hamer, they say, what a, a beautiful soul. The reason why I'm bringing that up is we have people in our community that are leading things and these black parents that ain't they ain't got the fancy words we got. They don't have they're not talking about pedagogy and even in our black education tradition. Right. Like they didn't have all these different names and different ways of doing stuff. But right after slavery with no money and very little, all they had was dignity. They taught more of us to read per capita percentage wise than what we able to do now. But yet and still, if we trying to do this as black folks, they make theories and codes around Fannie Lou Hamer that would exclude Fannie Lou Hamer from being a part of the conversation. So how do we bring this back as black folks where we can all have something to add value to? Like, um, I don't know. I'm still kind of working it out, but I just wanted to, but based off your question, I know I didn't fully answer it, but I've been struggling with this because I want to have this conversation because I think we tend to exclude our own. When you say the wrong word, when you don't know the new term of of the year, when you don't have these things, there is a spirit piece that is missing. And I think that sometimes we over, like we'll talk about the pedagogy, you know what I'm saying? But there's a difference between, uh, codification and then over intellectualizing everything. Codification is important because we need that history so people can look at it and do it and do that recipe. But when you over intellectualize, you can give certain people a recipe that ain't from your culture, that ain't that ain't talk to your people that don't know it. And they just don't know how to put the spices in the thing with, with our kids in the same way. And that's the thing that kind of scares me with some of our teaching programs. And like some people are missing that space. I mean, they're are missing that soul and that spice. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to ask you in this work that you're doing and, and kind of bringing it back to race question around that. Like, what do you say when we start to throw out our own? Like we have. People that watch the show, that's part of the show, they'll go out and advocate for their kids and people will just not listen to what they say and just write them off. Well, who paid you to be here? Yeah. You can't, you, you, you definitely can't have this idea, right? Like, and it's not that it's white people doing it. It's like, it'd be us in the education space with these letters behind our names, right? That do it. And we, sh- we silence our own people who have been the soul and backbone of our like community for so long. 
Yeah. Right, Dr. Dr. Lassane, real quick, before we before we get to you, I just want to address uh, the troll in the audience. We got a troll? The name of, yeah, Sharif. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasten him be times. So, Doc, you go ahead. Reef asked for the verse. I wanted to make sure that he got it. Doc, you up. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Give the citation again, Ray. Give the citation again. Uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 13, verse 24. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know we're going to come back to this. You know I'm going to get hey. you with the Bible. You know I'm going to get you. I'm. A, you know I'm going to get you with the Bible. Hey, but get, do, but hey, let listen, the doc in. Doctor. Make sure that my brain completely lost. <laughs> I appreciate that. But yeah, I'm just, but I'm curious about that piece um, mm-hmm. because I know, like I said, there's a lot of people that look like us that's like not, that's getting disenchanted. I am becoming disenchanted with the black doctoral space, so, so to that's- speak. Absolutely. So I, I just wanted to kind of see how you felt about that, especially when it comes down to these black people's kids that we dismiss it. Yeah, absolutely. And and my, you know, my doctoral experience was, I mean, there, there are not, you know, everybody wasn't excited about the black teaching tradition, right? Hmm. Some folks still aren't excited about it. Some folks, you know, and, 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 you know, you all, um, you know, Dr. Cole, I know that, you know, you know, the type of shade that would happen, right? Um, it didn't, and it didn't come just from white folks, Right. And I don't even know that it was on the merit of the idea or more just like who was presenting it, you know, possibly the fact that I'm a practitioner, you know, et cetera, et cetera, because there's that there's that whole EDD PhD thing. So I'm mm-hmm. saying that to say that I, you know, I, you know, I don't want folks to to think that that division only occurs outside of the, those who have doctorates. Right. And so and to absolutely validate that we've got we've got work to do. Mm-hmm. We've, got, we've got work to do. It, it's real. I'm, I'm not going to say that I that I have an answer because I've seen it and it's violent and it's ugly and it's anti-black. Um, and so I, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't have an answer. I, I will just say that that I agree with you and and the tenets within the black teaching tradition. Right. Would would one, I think, enable us to weed those people out. And mm-hmm. then also, um, you know, also develop people who want to be developed um, in, in community, like, be, you know, cause, and I, and I like that you talked about, you know, you use the word spirit in the soul of black folks. You know, I believe that black children are natural geniuses. I believe that black people slash African people at our core um, are humane, that we are sharers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So again, I'm not talking about every black person, but I'm saying that there is an element that we have absolutely lost that we have absolutely lost. So, you know, I do have a section where I talk about threats to the black threats to the black teaching tradition and that and and Charles uh, Dr. Cole what you named is absolutely Charles is fine. Yeah. And, and and you know, and I'm going to go ahead and be quiet cuz I really am learning a lot. I'm really appreciating the show and, and and I'm appreciating Ray stepping up and 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 hosting this uh and I guess I actually I'm I actually, I'm actually giving your org props for I think that your org is actually going about it in a way those tenants do not exclude that mom. It does not exclude that grandmother. And I think that that's the piece that we have to start to bring back mm-hmm. because I think sometimes we be, you know, we like, again, the spaces that we talk about Fannie Lou Hamer in, she wouldn't even be welcoming today. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, we have people that we, that we 
that we know, like that's doing this stuff. And every time they make a good point, every time they cut through, you know what we got to do as the doctors, right? We got to we got to show what we research. We got to say the right things. We got to go through a line of stuff because if you don't, it's like it's like when a guest pastor come to your church and they spend 10 minutes honoring <laughs> the other pastor. Right. right and right. these moms and grandmamas and dads that's on the ground, like these 40 dads that went into this school, they're not doing they We just doing this work. We yep. just. Yeah. This, yeah, my baby needs this, but those are the people that we end up writing off, and it's and we don't listen to them. Like so, you know, you were bringing up that thing around choice. Well, here go the thing about choice, right? Black people are making choices, and then we will have somebody from our own like group of people that has letters behind their name say, "Well, they ain't smart enough to make that choice." Right. And and I'm not even, you know what, Doc? I'm not even being like facetious when I say it. Like somebody said this to Chris Stewart about. Parents making choices. You know what I mean? So how do we just how do we reconcile that? By the way. It was a PhD. It was a Dr. Negro. A Dr. Negro said, I can make I disavow. I disavow. The person ain't even it, it ain't about that person, right? I think, but it's about that notion that I've heard happens. It more than once though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's about that notion. Yeah, if I can jump in and say a couple of things because you guys keep you guys keep keep triggering me. So I mean, not not in a bad way, triggering ideas. And yeah. so, so one, you know, I'm just gonna go on record and say, I guess I'm gonna say two things. One, there there are any bad black kids. I know. I, I mean, and so I'll say, I'll say, I'll say that. And then I also say one of my mentors, you know, she's always so when I talk about, I tell her about starting a school. She um, she always says it's going to be Dr. Lassane's school of badass black kids because the kids who y'all call bad, I love those children. I think they they embody our spirit. I think they embody our verb. I think that they are genius. I think they are brilliant. Um, and, you know, I, I know that I'm going to get different feedback around that. But I think a lot of what we call bad is really genius that doesn't have have the proper channel to, to go into. So mm-hmm. so I will say that um, Dr. Cole brought up Fannie Lou Hamer. And it's funny because I was talking to, to Sharif about Fannie Lou Hamer, I think yesterday or whenever last time we talked two days ago. Um, but I had the play, what my the same mentor I talked about um I had the pleasure of having dinner with her and Bob Moses and um, bless his memory. And I remember before I went to get my doctor and I said, well, well, um, he has people call him Bob. I, I have trouble calling him Bob. So I said, you know, Dr. Moses, you know, I'm struggling with where we find this this power. Like, where, where is the power? And I said, you know, should I should I get a Ph.D.? And what what Dr. Moses said was. Well, you know, when we were doing the work with SNCC, he was like, he's like, I guess it's fine to get a PhD. He said, but, you know, Kosova, we didn't have a PhD. We had Fannie Lou Hamer. And I still struggle with that because that's a word. That's a whole word from on high. I still, he, you know, he's like, it's cool. You can get a PhD, but we didn't have PhD. We had Fannie Lou Hamer. Mm-hmm. You well, know, I, I would love to just step in this because I have a thing about PhDs and about black PhDs, NED specifically. I thought we got you past this. You did not. <laughs> you did not. You did not. And and this is my people have heard me say this before. I'm gonna say it again. There's a way in which you can go and join another institution. You become part of it and you have transgressed. You have you've come you've gone to the other side type of thing. I think PhDs and degrees used to be a communal degree like your success used to be our success. 
right? And your your um, uh, your degree was a communal property degree, mm-hmm. and you acted like it, mm-hmm. right? You knew it. It it has since I think for some become a social marker for people to cross over into a world in which they can do what had been done to Fannie Lou Hamer. And we had to be real about our history. Let's be honest and real about our history. Roy Wilkins and the Martin Luther King crew of folks treated Fannie Lou very much like uh, in a way that we would not appreciate today. Let's just put it that way. If we read our real history and it was because white folks told them to. White folks told them not to give up their seats so she could be seated at the Democratic convention, for instance. As a matter of fact, Hubert Humphrey told Roy Wilkins, you need to take care of her, that problem. And Roy Wilkins told some people to tell her, tell that ignorant woman to go back down to Mississippi. We got this, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. This is our own Negroes in suits talking about somebody who was way more impactful than they were. We need to teach ourselves the real history, but we have people walking around today with PhDs and writing books who are not talking about real reform or real changes to the system that is doing damage to black people, but they're talking around it in all kinds of ways because they have crossed over to a side of the room where their their real colleagues are not us anymore. Their real readers and constituency aren't us. And the real people going to their seminars and reading their book is not us. And they know Chris, it. Chris, they do that, they do that shit right now in real time, right? No, so no, no, I'm like, saying that's that no, is no, what I mean, I'm saying right so now. You, yeah, so yeah. right, so yeah, you, yeah. you gave a historical pretext of like how they did it then, but like I'm gonna throw names out there right now. Like think, think about how they talk about Mama Sarah, right? Like, like they they yes. don't give her the credit that she deserves in 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 terms of like revolutionizing the parent movement, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like when I think about parents and I think mm-hmm. about galvanizing parents in the community, I think about those grandmothers that are super passionate, that are speaking for every kid, not just for their grandkids, right? But they talking about for every kid in these black communities or whatever that are not getting the education that they deserve like the hell with that and they will go to they will go to fire they will go to the fire for 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 black kids and then you'll have people that as charles said earlier will be like well you know this person's not smart enough to think like this who's paying you get the fuck out of here what you mean who's paying me like god is on my side because i'm doing god's work that's the payment right but like when you talk about well, I'm not, I'm disavowed. I'm not talking about anybody for what a PhD. Well, I, but go ahead. So, <laughs> so, and, and, I, and I, I mean, I, I agree that there's definitely a, a class of intellectuals, of Black intellectuals. Um, and I'm also thankful for the persistent class of Black intellectuals who don't fall into that. And those are, mm-hmm. those are the ones who... I, you know, who's I, the ones I mentioned whose work accompanied me in the 90s. There are, you know, there are those... Today, you know, uh, Dr. Cynthia B. Dillard, who just dropped her book, The Spirit of Our Work. Um, Black so you've women. given me too many book recommendations tonight. I have a whole list. You know, I have a problem. I got a problem. Every time you say a book, I'm making note of it. Don't I'm do gonna, it. I'm going to email you. I have a whole page because oh. like, well, come with references. So, um, you know, and I, you know, uh, so Dr. Cynthia B. Dillard, her work comes out in November. 16th, the spirit of our work, uh, Black women teachers remember. Dr. Dillard has, has, a, has had a school in Ghana for 30 years. She's wow. gone back and forth uh, between Ghana, first at the Ghana University of Georgia. So she did study abroad where she would bring, she does study abroad, where she would bring teacher prep students to Ghana to learn from Black people. 
right? Uh, she's now the dean of the School of Education out in Washington. Um, you know, and, you know, Joyce King, right? You never go wrong reading anything that Joyce King has written, uh, Black Education. Um, there's another one, uh, The Afrocentric Praxis of Teaching for Freedom, right? So, mm. you know, I just, I, I, and I'm partly sharing this to share that the Black teaching tradition is not new. It's, it's, it's something that I, I revisited from the standpoint of a, um, of a, of a pedagogue, of a teacher looking for pedagogical elements, but we've been, we've been talking about this for years, right? So like Teresa Perry back in the nineties, she called it freedom for literacy and literacy for freedom. Um, and then, um, and then even more recently, Michelle Foster, right? She calls it African-American pedagogical excellence. Uh, so you know, there are people, you know, who will say, well, when is your book coming out? When is, and I'm like, you know, we have the books. <laughs> we have the books. Just just pick up Joyce King, right? Go back and revisit Gloria mm-hmm. Latson-Billings, revisit Dr. Del Pitt, uh, because those things, it, it feels like they wrote them yesterday, right? People might say, that's another thing in the Academy. Well, you can't cite anything more than 20 years old. Well, if the problem is more than 20 years old, Right. <laughs> right. Right. Like, so revisit those things. Um, and we're not going to let them erase the, the, the ghosts and spirits of our people that have like laid this foundation. So cannot, cannot. I will always go back to Douglas or I always go back to these people, man. Like yeah. you, you don't get to do that. I, I need my people to really stick with me on this, calling it black educational capital, because all of these people, if we're, ter- if we're trying to reclaim it, all these people you just mentioned, Delpit and Lanson Billings or whatnot, have made contributions that we're not pulling together into a heritage pile. We're not putting the, the Barbara Sizemore and, and all the, you, you doing it. But this is what I mean, like collectively as a people, we have a yeah. communal learning opportunity that we need yeah. to embark on together yeah. because we have other people keep trying to teach us how to teach. We have other people keep trying to teach us about teaching. Right. And what we don't have is where is the library of our black educational capital? Because we already figured this out. Yeah. And you yeah. just hey, you just added you added more people to it just now. You just okay. added new people to it. Well, can I add some more? Can I give you some more names? Hey, keep. Okay. You know okay. This is the most wait, wait, this is the most wait, important me, thing me, that we can be hop, talking let hop, about. Let me hop in real quick before yes. I get thre- I, I'm getting threatened in, uh-oh. In, uh-oh. In, my, in, my, uh-oh. in my text messages. <laughs> so the patrons, the patrons uh book club, uh a book that is mentioned in the comments, uh Goldie Muhammad, uh Cultivating Genius and yes, Equity Framework for Culturally and Historically Responsive Literacy. Forward by Bettina A. Love. Uh, book Club starts reading this next Sunday, the Patron Book Club. If you're not a patron member, you need to be uh, jumping there. Uh, they start reading that book next Sunday, November the 8th, uh, starting at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. All right, Doc, jump Do back it. in. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. So yes, Goldie Muhammad, Cultivating Genius was actually at the top of my list. Uh, the spirit of our work. Bettina loves, we want to do more than more than survive, right? So she talked about her her experience in in a um, in her black community, black community organizations and things of that nature when she was young. Push out, of course, the criminalization of black girls. And so you have to because we have to get a picture of what's happening in schools. Schools are sites of racial terror. And I'm gonna just leave it there. Um, 
Gloria Boutte, uh, We Be Loving Black Children, Learning to Be Literate About the African Diaspora, um, April Baker Bell, Linguistic Justice, Black Language, Literacy, Identity, and Pedagogy. Um, I mentioned heavy. So if you want to get an inside sense of what Black students, you know, I just remember, it's, and it is heavy. It's a heavy, so that, like, you know, <laughs> like he he's telling the raw. It's a lot. lot. It's a lot, but if you really read it from the standpoint of of black uh, black boys or, or in the black girls, you know, in his life, their experiences, you can learn a lot. Same thing with "Breathe," a letter to my sons by Monty Perry, um, and then just you know to to kind of bring in the love and light. Doctor uh, Yolanda Celia Ruiz, she is she's a scholar. Um, in literacy. Um, and she talks, she does this uh, teacher preparation, amazing program, the archaeology of self, right? You have to know who you are <laughs> before you teach our children. Um, but also just to bring back in that joy and love, you know, her books, uh, Peace and Love from the Vortex, like it's how a scholar really taps into that love, that joy, that that genius. And it's definitely something that um, yeah. teachers can read together. And again, my foundational text for the Black teaching tradition, I mentioned uh, Black Education, A Transformative Research and Action Agenda by Joyce King, Heritage, Knowledge and the Curriculum, uh, Teaching to Transgress, of course, by Bell Hooks, Teach Freedom, Education for Liberation in the African-American Tradition, uh, Young, Gifted, and Black uh, by Teresa Perry, Claude Steele. Oh, Asa Hilliard. You have to read Asa Hilliard. Mm -hmm. You have to read Asa Hilliard. You have to read Amos Wilson, right? Right, like, um, and I was going through quickly because I know we're at, are we at time? Are we, it's one hour? It's all right, we'll give you more time, but because this, this yeah. annotated bibliography that you're giving us right now is- <laughs> We got to get that written and put it out there. We'll do that because I know, you know, people ain't going to necessarily go rewind, so we'll make sure we make all that available if you send I'll it to I'll email, it. yeah, I'll send, I'll email this to you, yep. Yeah, for our right, listeners, so the eight black hands will come through with something material and something that will make you a better person if you yeah. pursue it. We're mm -hmm. going to give you this list and we're all going to make sure that we complete every one of them on the list. Right. I want to scare people away. Right. Like, I wanna, <laughs> like but but I mean, but I think part of that is the talk. I think the one thing that I would add in there that's important uh, and that I'm not being funny. I, I think the emperor is the emperor's clothes. Right. Like. Mm -hmm. That's that simple child's tale is a huge it, it does a good explainer of where we are today. Everybody is still trying to figure it out. Everybody. It's a lot of we all naked in some kind of way. And the only ones that was telling the truth in that story was the kids. Mm -hmm. What are kids telling you about you? What are they telling you about your their practice and all of that stuff? Like in this piece, we have learned to to read and do a lot of other things, but we have, we have forgotten how to listen and to like take in that information and like regurgitate it back to our young people and make adjustments. So, uh, Dr. Lassane, I, I, that was just an amazing like list. And again, I, I, I'm just glad you're here. I, I really, you are a breath of fresh air and, and I'm enjoying this conversation. Thank you. Same here. I, I was. I told Sharif I was nervous about coming on, but I was yeah. like, he was like, no, like, it's just. A, well, did you say why? Yeah, why? Because y'all be giving people hell sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> the people that we give it about the people that we give hell to deserve. They deserve it. Anyway, I know you got to ask an important question. How did you feel? How, how did, did how did how did you? Feel? 
cared for? Did you feel loved on? Me? Yeah. No, it's very. I, I was very. Did you feel like the bros was protecting you? I did. I did. I did. Right. I did. Right. There no, we go. I know there this we is go. exciting. This is. I mean, it, well, Doctor Cole, you know, right? It's like I didn't know if y'all were gonna be like this. Is I don't know. What do you know? So anyway. Um, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're, no, we're, I did, we're, I did. I'm excited. I'm glad I came on. Um, I originally told Sharif no. Um, because oh, wow. people, no. <laughs> people, wow. don't, people don't believe it, but I'm also a bit of an introvert. Nobody believes that. And so I was just kind of shy about coming on. That's all. I'm an introvert too. Wow. I feel you. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Charles, you're a weirdo. Um, I'm, I'm a professional extrovert. See, I'm a professional see, and it's stuff like that that I was like, okay, see, that's why I'm not going on there. <laughs> that's, that's, just, that's just brotherly love. I'm, I'm, I'm the baby of the group, so they got to. And Sharif is not here to catch him and Ray. You usually do oh, that. No, but, he's, uh, he's, he's definitely a weirdo. He's a he's a he's a weirdo. That's a troll. See, Chris. Um, see, Chris. Now you understand why I was hesitant about. I that. was about to say. Now I get it. Now you, yeah. <laughs> All right. So so let's close this thing out. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. What's up, bro? Close us out. This has been a very refreshing conversation for me just because uh, the one thing that I think that we can do as a step forward to be progressing in education is to go back and recapture what has been lost and to educate ourselves first. One of the things in all, all throughout Black history, one of the things that Black adults did right after slavery, for instance, and through, during Jim Crow, was they looked for every learning opportunity as adults. So there was like andragogy, you know, adult education was part of it. So as parents, community members, individuals who have podcasts, me, you, all of us, we could be sharing information and trading it back and forth and start filling in those gaps that give us like pride and esteem in the fact that there's no one outside of us that has the answers that we have inside of us. Our heritage is deep and strong and high and tall and bright, but we have to discover it, polish it off and wipe off the crap that white, white supremacy has put on top of it because the secret is there. And, and it's not meant for us to uh, keep wandering through the world without knowing our history, our past, uh, our black educational ca- uh, capital, the black pedagogies that were lost, that were making a difference. I have a couple of things, points that I just want to make real quick. We go back to Vanessa Siddle uh, Walker's work. She told us uh, before 1954, there were 82,000 black teachers who were teaching 2 million black children. Uh, in the, in the years, in those years, 85% of the minority teachers had college degrees compared with only 75% of white teachers. Our kids weren't being taught by uh, low rent teachers. Our, our kids were being taught by like highly educated, more equipped teachers in many cases. They were increasing the literacy rate, decreasing the dropout rate, increasing the college going rate, and increasing the test scores of black children. Prior to uh, 1960, uh, they were making all of these advances, and then came integration. And we fired uh, uh, immediately 38,000 black teachers lost their jobs. 90% of the principals were demoted down to janitors and worse, and school, black schools were closed. That wasn't just jobs that closed. Those were that those were like histories of institutional knowledge that closed on us and we never regained it. And that's our problem. That's why I love our guest tonight. Follow follow up on everything she told us. Charles. Yeah, I just uh, I'm just really grateful for our guest. And uh, and I really do hope that you come back and I hope that you, you know, just get in community with us, even outside of the show. I think. Just as black people, we it ain't <laughs> we need everybody. We need we need all hands on deck. I, I and it just hurts me when we just we just throw each other away all the time. And uh just to 
her point, man, like I had to basically fight my university to make sure that the community, that the moms that I was working with could understand my dissertation. Like, like this is, this is the, the stuff that we live in or them pushing me to come up with a theory or add something to it. Right. Like it's, it's almost like, um, I don't know, man, it's just a disingenuous piece, but our people are genuine and we need them in, in, in all the places that are there. And, um, and I think that we have to just continue to have these type of conversations. So, so I honor you for your work. I'm glad you got what you got. Keep going. Keep going and be and give yourself some grace along the way. Like there's a different level of pressure. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it, but there's a there's a trauma tax that you pay for being a black person trying to do this work because you getting pulled in so many different directions. And um, and I just wanted to just honor the people in our communities. And I wanted to honor those people in those times of, of enslavement that we ain't going to never hear from, but that was teaching their kids how to read on the low, that was putting together Sunday schools. And we had our invisible institutions inside of those churches where we had a whole sophisticated set of codes that educated us, even while like white overseers were right there. Like we needed each other and we utilized each other during those times. And right now, I think we're more divided than we've ever been. And so I, I appreciate these conversations and we should be able to come together and love disagree, uh, push each other and leave in love. So uh, I'm blessed to be able to do this. And uh, and Dr. Lassane, thank you so much for blessing us with your presence. And again, you are always welcome to come back. Uh, you don't have to wait for one of us to ask you. Mm. Dr. Lassane, jump in here. Final thoughts. Awesome. Awesome. Final thoughts. Um, you know, I, I will say that the black teaching tradition is not dead. And, um, you know, and one piece of evidence of that is that even though we make up 6.8 percent of the teaching population now, uh, several large quantitative studies, about four or five studies in the past, I think it was 2000, since 2018, have come out to say that still the most effective people with black children our black teachers. And for those who care about that, care about like the quote unquote hard data, like these are large quantitative studies that show, um, you know, data around, um, you know, school suspension, gifted education, advanced mathematics. So quote unquote hard data. So even though we are not, it's small, the black teaching tradition is not dead. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's, it's really time to, to revive it. Thank you. Thank you for, for having me on. And I enjoyed myself. <laughs> hmm. Well, thank you for coming. And so my my final thoughts are this. Um so my, my, my final thoughts are I guess I'm I'm just I'm so ah man, how do I even phrase this? So I'm trying to I'm trying to get two guests on, and one of the guests is in the audience. So Dr. Silly uh, Ruiz, trying to get you on the show, but I also want you to bring um Dr. Goldie Muhammad as well with you so we can do like a a double uh, episode with, with both of y'all on, uh, so we can just continue this conversation. So, if you're listening, uh, I'm a I'm gonna track you down on LinkedIn, not stalk you. Just I'm gonna hit the the like button on some of your stuff and just find me, <laughs> and so we can we, 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 we can get this situated. Appreciate you. It's all in love, right? Um, but thank you guys for listening. Eight Black Hands Podcast, Episode One Thirty Nine. Reef, you a bum. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Eight Black Hands One. Thank you for listening.